listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. But now, it's time for this week's interview. Here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. My guest on today's show describes himself on his blog as an indie author, a publishing consultant, a blogger, and a speaker. Michael Holly writes and self-publishes fiction and non-fiction titles. Publishing as Michael J. Holly, his books include The Dead Man's Curse, The Beginner's Guide to Self-Publishing, and The Great Corporate Escape. Welcome to the show, Michael. Hi there. Thanks very much for joining us. I, I've got to ask you, first of all, if you wrote a book called The Great Corporate Escape, that tends to indicate that you did that. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So so that book was very semi-autobiographical. Um, it was the the first real idea I had. And um, before before this, this type of a life that I live, I uh, was an accountant. So I was very much entrenched in the corporate world. And... Uh, Nothing, nothing fueled my imagination more than trying to get out of it. And yet, you're you, you've written a few books, and you're a musician too. So you seem to have that creative side battling within you. Yeah, it's a it's a strange dichotomy. I, I when I was at college, I did A levels of maths and law and theatre studies. So I, I've always had, I've always had a, a kind of a foot in both camps. And um, yeah, you know, like most people, probably. You, you you go along the the conventional ride, um, and uh, but there was always this creativity type expression burning inside me. So I, uh, yeah, like like you say, I was in a I was in a band for near on fifteen years, um, which was good fun. But I was also an accountant at the same time, and um, so then I, I had an opportunity to leave what I did as a career, um, and really try and make a, a fist of it as a writer. When did the writing start? Did it start when you were still at work? Yes, yes. So, so the the book you mentioned, the Great Corporate Escape, that was that was written in weekends and evenings, um, pretty much. Um, yeah, it was. It, it, it's probably the the same experience that most writers are familiar with. You know, where you try and grab an hour here or there, um, and yeah, it, it's it it becomes a labour of love. A lot of people say. There is no time to write. And I was the same as you. I was doing a corporate job. And I can remember squeezing that hour into the evenings by stopping watching telly to make a start at that great corporate escape that you've referred to. How, how hard do you think that is? Does it take a lot of commitment to get that going? Yeah, I, it does. It, I suppose, like most things in life, it, it depends on how you look at it. You know, at the time, of course, it takes discipline, you know, to write a, a book, for anyone to write a book takes discipline you know you you need to have that but i think if you love doing it then it doesn't it, commitment and dedication you know make it sound like it's a chore whereas actually i found it incredibly um escaping you know avoiding the pun but i i, I found it a great release from from the, the kind of drudgery of my normal day-to-day life um, to to escape into my own world for an hour or two a day you know that was it was a great moment and then I think you go into those, you know, I remember, I remember, because this was maybe six years ago, something like that, when I started writing it, and, uh, it, I, you know, I remember trying to carve out certain periods of my day 
into a routine so that I, I remember waking up earlier and then going to a coffee shop and writing for an hour before work um you know and that that was quite successful for me um you know and you, you just try and buy time you know all around your, your kind of your normal day how long did it take you to write that first book because most first books take sometimes take forever yeah. it seems yeah it, it was it, the funny thing with the first book is that you think that the end will be when you've written the end and that, <laughs> that that's it done and uh, and then you you and then it's like peeling back an onion and you realize how many other steps and you know you're probably not even halfway at that point but um so i think writing the first draft took over a year definitely to write that first draft um which was you know they're not massively long books i think it was 80 90,000 words um and that that took them but then it was probably another year of drafts and and learning the ropes and trying to get to grips with it and that was working almost full time as well on writing before that book finally came out the biggest surprise to me when i finished writing the first book was that i could actually do it because i think the longest thing i ever written was about a 10,000 word dissertation in the days when you had to write them by hand there were no such things as word processors but it, it seemed that seemed to be uh, an amazing achievement and that gave me the confidence now you've written quite a lot of books now haven't you did you find you got got that confidence from the first book? yeah I, you know it's like conquering anything you know you, you when you when you psychologically when you when you realize it's achievable your goals then move on to it's not a case of just finishing a book which is it's, it very much is at the, at the beginning it then becomes you know a series or whatever and it you know you're always extending kind of what motivates you um so yeah it, it, at the beginning though definitely that the achievement of finishing a book was was massive when you were writing that book were you thinking traditional publishing or self-publishing definitely traditional publishing so this was this was around 2000 um and it was it was yeah there was i thought i don't I, I can't remember now off the top of my head when when Kindles and KDP came out, but it was maybe two years and three years before that. Um, it was around that sort of time, and it was it was pretty new. And I'd I you know picked up on it all, um, but there was still a, a massive stigma attached to it at that time. Um, Self publishing was vanity publishing. It was, you know, I, I had an aunt that once wrote a book and, and paid someone for it. And, you know, I, I've still got five copies downstairs, which, uh, <laughs> and I've never read the thing. And so she, uh, you know, vanity publishing, all those, you know, horrible stories that you hear. Um, that, it, it was like that at that time. So for me, the validation of having a traditional publisher, also the, the confidence that a traditional publisher would have given me as someone who was trying to, feel their way in a, in a new world um, that was yeah very much and so I, I did go down the whole route of you know query letters and, and sending off manuscripts um, I sent it off to a, um, you know, a lot 20 maybe 30 agents something like that I bought the writer's handbook um, I went down the whole really well trodden path um, and I got a few nice letters back saying I like it but we're not looking for that type of a book at the moment or, um, you know, come back in a year. 
so, so there were some nice ones that there weren't, uh, but then there was others that were just like no, straight away. You know? So so yeah, and that that I probably pursued that path for I don't know probably a year on and off. And at that stage, had you invested in things like editors and proofreaders, or was it just as you'd left it? Yeah, no, it, that yeah, <laughs> it was it was just as I left it. The the naivety of a uh, blind faith at the beginning is uh you know you just write it and like, like I say when you get to the end that's pretty much it i'll read through it again and uh yeah that all seems pretty good so uh let's good to go and um so you uh yeah you, d- you definitely yeah i'm looking back now it makes me laugh because uh, it was obviously pretty 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 naive but um yeah there was no there was no such thing as an editor involved um there might have been my mum read it or something most people at the end of that process feel like they've been through the ringer. How did it leave you feeling? Yeah, yeah. well, I'm quite an optimistic chap, and so I just assumed they'd missed something. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I do hear the stories of other writers who were, you know, almost suicidal with uh, the, the, the latest rejection. But uh, I, I, I've always been quite, quite numb to all of that. So I was, uh, it didn't affect me massively. I just kept thinking that, you know, oh, well, it's their loss. But uh, I, uh, but as it went on, I, I, you know, the realism starts hitting you, and you think. But also at that same time, it was it was, it was an interesting time because I think around the, exactly that time, people were beginning to get traction in self-publishing, and I think if they hadn't, I'd have possibly given it all up as a bad job, and we'd, I'd still be in the same position. But I think because of certain stories, and there was, there was I remember there was some quite inspirational people like Nick Spaulding who. You know, when he writes the um, the rom com books, um, and he did very well out of Amazon. Um, he, again, he was one of the first major self publishing successes. Um, and then there was, you know, then there were the others that, that kind of we, we know about. But um, it was that listening to those stories and stuff, I, I began to then kind of look into what the alternatives were to just getting the book out there. Um, and that sort of then featured with the rest of well everything really because the great corporate escape like I say was was pretty truthful so I then left my corporate life so it was um it was a whole new new life change for me um, and writing was very much at the centre of that. So did you pitch everything into writing at that stage? Yeah, so I, I, I looked at I, I was I was fortunate at the time to have an opportunity where I, I, I could probably get away with not working for a while and initially i gave it i, I said to my wife i said okay I'll, I'll give it two years which is a long time i know i was i was lucky to have that period where i could just you know switch off basically for two years and i said look i'm going to write every day i'm going to you know really conscious conscientiously you know get books down and out and uh, and and really sort of throw myself into that world so and that's when i started you know really researching how to publish marketing strategies all of, all of that type of stuff which comes along with independent publishing can i ask you how what you used then to get that knowledge were you listening to podcasts reading books what influenced you at that stage? yeah so podcasts podcasts were definitely a, a big thing um i was listening to the creative pen when i was still working um and that was that was really the first really the first exposure i had to self-publishing um and then joanna penn at that time as well was 
well, she just left her job, I think, at the time as well, and, and I felt this, this kind of an affinity with her, and uh, it was, it, you know, I was a voyeur from the outside. I never got involved. I never asked questions or anything like that. But I, uh, I, yeah, I, I just kind of listened to her, for, and, and I listened to her religiously for years. Um, and as she grew, her success grew. You know, she brought me into other people, um, and so yeah, podcasts were very much a thing. The podcast then fell into websites, etc. You know, forums, um, and yeah, just, just it, it it sort of grew organically from there. But it was all online stuff. In terms of your writing, then you'd had the first book which you not managed to traditionally publish, so we had to get that one out somehow. Uh, in self-publishing and then were you writing all the time even though you were getting the the, the knockback yeah the ages? i was and uh, so i had a i had another book on the go which i was writing at, at the same time so i um so the, and funnily enough it, you know it might be worth talking about it but I, I initially wrote a book called plasticine which i then changed the name of to cast in the summer of love um due to a, a failed experiment but um, it was uh but but yes yeah, so i was writing that at the same time as trying to decide what to do with the first one. Um, so I ended up actually in a position where I pretty much had two books finished roughly at the same time by the end of all of that, where by the time I'd realised actually what I was going to do and worked out a kind of a strategy. So for you, did self-publishing mean doing everything, the formatting, the, the getting the covers ready, the uploading, or did you outsource that stuff? I outsourced because... You know, I, I was pretty, I might have been, I was probably exceptionally naive in nearly every other facet of it, but, uh, and, and, and that everything else has changed or developed or whatever. But with that, I've always, I've always understood the, the importance of a professional editor and a professional cover designer. And I think, you know, I'm neither of those things. And so, you know, the, the, the idea that I could do those jobs would be ridiculous. And, and I also was looking around at other self-published books where people had done their own covers or whatever, and, you know, they were woeful looking. And I thought, if I'm going to write, I've got to hold my head up to people here. So I can't have it looking like a bag of spanners. It's got to, it's got to look, it's got to look okay. So, so yeah, I, I always, I was, I was lucky. I suppose I did it in a little bit of a Heath Robinson way where I, um, I had a friend that was an artist who had also done illustration and stuff, so I kind of got him involved. So The Great Corporate Escape was his cover, which he did, um, you know, and so so I worked with a friend there, and uh, an editor that I still use now, I managed to find in them early days, and she was starting out, and we've kind of formed a relationship through through that as well. But, yeah, I've always stuck with outsourcing covers and editing. When you launched those first books, how long did it, take to feel that you were making some sales and things were beginning to go well the, it's funny with writing really because you know you launch something can you expect that to be that and uh you know in a month maybe six months time you'd be in a guitar shaped swimming pool in, in you know somewhere sunny and uh, obviously that isn't the, the the reality but um the launch the launch. i used to worry a lot more about the launch than i actually do now um but but uh, and I think that's a throwback from the traditional publishing industry where the launch is much more important than it is in the independent world. But so, so I always had a decent launch because, you know, you know, you know people and, and therefore you tell them and they're interested to know what, what sort of stuff you've turned out. So you, you do all right at the beginning. And I think your first couple of books, 
you can you can play on that a little bit, um, and 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 then the algorithm rhythms on Amazon start you know kicking in, and you hope that you can ride away for a little while, um, but ultimately it does fade off, um, and so without I I believe without following up with another book and, and regenerating that interest, I think they gradually ebb away and I think there are so many books now in such a crowded market that to just stick a book up and just try and market it continuously is is pointless. And do you list on multiple channels if you've got the Kobo, Barnes and Noble route as well? Yeah, I do. And uh, I, so, you know, I, I certainly believe that my book's available in all of those places. It's, I, But I don't go individually. So I, what I've always done is gone KDP for Amazon, which, which you know, has always been you know, 90% of my sales anyway. So Amazon is the main, is the main deal for me. Um, without Amazon, we would never be able to do all this stuff and, and whatever, you know, the, the royalty rates are great. Um, and it's a professional website and most people have a Kindle. For the other readers, I've always used Smashwords, and Smashwords then, you know, churns it out. Um, but I, the sales I've had on those other sites are so, so small that I've, I've really never bothered sort of chasing up. You know, I just, I never look at them. Interestingly, I found that iTunes seems to go reasonably well, and I don't mean in a way that I get particularly excited by it, but, you know, of, of the flat channels iTunes seems to be the the least flat of them. Have you have you had a similar experience with another channel being second best, or is it just? Amazon? No, it, it's mainly always been Amazon that stood out. And it, yeah, but I, I've heard other people talk about I, iTunes and the, you know the i the, the iBooks app, and, and I think most people I talk to are, have one or the other. You know, as readers, they 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 tend to read on those two. You know, you very rarely hear someone with a Kobo. Yeah, it, it it doesn't really, you know, that that tends not to happen. I don't think, <laughs> and not not in not in the UK or America anyway. Um, but I, I bought one, you know, so I could see what my books looked like. Right, but I didn't like oh. it, so I, I sold it. Oh, oh. That's, that's a that's a damning. <laughs> that's, there we go. So oh well, uh, yeah. So so you know what I mean. That's, <laughs> I do know what you mean. <laughs> yes. Interestingly, you've gone for the fiction non-fiction route. When when did you decide to write your first fiction book? And was there a reason for that? A strategic reason for first it? fiction book, uh, non fiction. So non fiction. Well, yeah, there was a strategic reason. Um, by that, I'd in the order I'd written the books. It, there was there was two fiction comedy novels that I wrote first of all, um, which which I like particularly reading. <laughs> but I think as a as a genre that isn't um, you know it's not a massive genre there aren't amazing book sales in that genre um and you know most of the authors i like in that genre are dead so it's 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 not really you know if you were opening a shop it would be like selling flat caps you know so i didn't i i i realized after the, after i'd written two of them that uh maybe this wasn't the best business model was to write books that people read 40 years ago so I um so that's but by that point as well I like I say I'd thrown myself into self publishing and what 
I, I began to become quite passionate about about educating new writers and and so I you know it happened a few times face to face with people I knew or whatever and they'd ask for advice or you know and I thought man I actually have picked up quite a bit of knowledge here in a in a in an industry which is pretty new and I, I didn't really want anything from that the, the main gig for me was always the fiction books but I thought well okay it probably won't take that long to write a, a non-fiction book on just explaining how I how you can do it as simply as I simply as I know how and and just say look th- this is what I do I don't think it's particularly complicated and I will try and I will try and write it down exactly how I do it and so that was really the thought behind the uh, the beginner's guide to self-publishing which I really wanted to, to do as a manual that someone could literally just turn the pages over and just follow exactly what I say and, and publish a book. And that, so that's kind of what I was hoping for. And I, and I, but it was strategic. So I, I followed it up with, um, I followed up with, um, not online courses, but face-to-face courses. So I, I, you know, had a couple of sessions where I, you know, did something locally around here. Um, I was going to do something in London and it fell through, but it, it was very much what I was thinking of at that time was, trying to help people to do it for themselves. Now, interestingly, I, I write fiction and non-fiction, and I found the fiction much easier to rank on Amazon because, effectively, you're ranking it by keywords, whereas when you're, as you've just said about the, the comedy writing, you are right at the bottom of a very big heap of people in a, in a deep genre a lot of the time as a, if you're writing fiction. What was your experience with non-fiction? Yeah. Did you find it easier? Absolutely. Exactly like you've just said, I, I agree completely. The, um, yeah, like you say, keywords, you know, the, the, I forgot the guy's name, but the, the, the guy wrote the oracle on keywords, and, uh, he, you know, I read that book, and, um, yeah, I, I, I got to number one, you know, in, in, the, in that specific niche Um and and that does you a lot of good. And I, I was yeah selling those books for it, that was easily outselling my fiction, easily um, because you can gear a title up exactly to how you know everything about it. You can almost just take off the shelf. Um, so marketing wise, it, yeah, you didn't have to be creative to market it. Um, yeah. But what I did find, and what I am finding now, is that with nonfiction. I don't think there's a long a longevity to it. It's you bring a book out and it, it's probably more successful in the short term, but then it either becomes outdated, um, which you know probably that book has now. Um, it's probably two years old, I guess, and I, I would have thought it's probably becoming outdated now because there's probably better ways of doing stuff. Um, so you either have a decision there of do I go back and, and revise it and, and re-release or, you know, do, do I just move on? Um, but it was, but, so I find that with non-fiction. I think it, non-fiction makes a lot of sense if, you know, that's your, if that's a, a definite strategy is to, is to focus on, in, you know, non-fiction within a certain genre so that you become almost a subject matter expert. That would, you know, I can see how that would work for people, definitely. So you had a, a skirmish then with this concept of being an authorpreneur. 
this idea that you would write and, and that was the, the day job and the aspiration, but then you would also make money from teaching about writing. Can you talk us through a little bit more about what you did with that? Yeah, I, I, first of all, I love the name, Authorpreneur. I thought it was great. So, you know, you tell people and they look at you as if, you know, what? <laughs> and, uh, so that was good. I enjoyed that. But um, it was, uh, yeah, you know, again, it's such a new world. That, that you know these they even bring up new names but it's a uh, but the idea of, of actually you know being an entrepreneur as a writer is such a crazy concept really when you think about how not even 10 years ago that would have been absolute nonsense so the, the, the speed that this stuff has moved on is incredible really that someone can actually be an entrepreneur by writing and publishing books for themselves and and the spin-offs around that um, you know, Joanna Penn was the, the main influence there, I think. Listening to her and listening to... She obviously does non-fiction and fiction. She um, was one of the, the kind of forerunners in in how to do that type of... A, a, how to run that type of a business model. Um, and it's worked very well for her, um, you know, where you have all sorts of outlets... And, you know, you have online courses that you can, you know, sell on, you can produce, you know, there's books, there's, there's face-to-face stuff. And, there's, you know, it, the theory of it all is incredible, uh, you know, and, it's, it, and I thought, well, why not? Why, not? why don't I have a go at that? Um, what I found from that, though, was that you have to, you know, that stuff takes time. And, and it takes a lot of time to build up quality product and stay connected with those products to continually sell on and and upsell and all of that type of stuff that is you know that's a lot of effort now as a writer and and that was the reason i went into it was to be a writer and the, the thing that i enjoy is the escaping and writing fiction i found that 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 took too much of me away from what i wanted to do and i found myself spending 80% 80% of my time doing stuff I didn't want to do. And that, so that's why I, I began to back away from that. And I'm, I'm probably at the stage at the moment where I'm, you know, re, re, reviewing all of my, uh, you know, what the plan is exactly. Um, but, yeah, I, it definitely works for some people. I think if you're that type of a person anyway, if you're an entrepreneurial person and enjoy that side of things, then, yeah, great. You know, because it's it, the opportunity is definitely there. What did you do to build your author platform? We hear so much about the need for this nowadays. What have you done? Mm. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I guess I have one. Um, now, I um, the you know the website is the the kind of the the epicenter of my author platform, I suppose. Um, and so, and, and again, it's something else that probably needs revision at the moment. But um, it's. I spent a bit of time on doing the website. Um, I, I used to write, I wrote a blog, in fact, I'd forgotten all about this. I, I wrote a blog pretty much daily for about four years, three, three four years. Um, wow. So that was something I did routinely every single morning at nine o'clock. And so I'd start my day with a blog. And that was that really charted everything I learned through writing. And so... It, it was a cathartic thing to do, actually, and it was a great way for me to process what I was learning, and I was able to share it at the same time. So that 
that blog and, and that website have you know began to really generate some stuff. You know, not it's not in any in any terms of uh, you know global. It didn't it didn't go viral, put it that way. But uh, it was I, I was having kind of three hundred ish hits a day on the of people reading articles that I'd read, written, and whatever else. So that was that was you know that was really building this author platform, and I was very much on that page of right. This is this is how you do it. You build up this author platform, and so I was writing about self-publishing, but I was re I was, I was writing about self-publishing on the blog, and then I was writing comedy books elsewhere, and the two audiences weren't the same, mm-hmm. and so my author platform. <laughs> Was actually in the wrong place, um, yeah. so uh, I, so that's when I laugh when it was an author platform. So I spent loads of time building a platform that, that was in the wrong place. But uh, but again, you learn. Um, it's yeah. So my advice to anyone who's who's starting out would be you know think about actually you know a blog's just a blog. Loads of people have them now. You know it. Uh, uh, it what you need to do with a blog is you have to have a niche and you have to you have to focus on that and then all of your other products have to come you know off of that niche you know that that's very you've got to be you've got to be forward thinking at that point definitely one of the things i noticed when i was checking you out online is that your goodreads profile comes up very high in google and you seem to have been uh, whether you are now but you certainly seem to have been in the past pretty active on goodreads yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I, I don't think I was massively, <laughs> but um, it was. I, I've noticed it myself that, and I don't know why particularly, but Goodreads, I, I have been on definitely, um, and I was active on it for a while. I don't know, you know, there's certainly people that that are, are more active than I was definitely, but I um, I I used it as a reader rather than a writer, um, so it for a while. Few of my friends, we all kind of, you know, read a lot. We were putting our books on, re- reviewing. It was almost like a, I mean, you know, it was a new thing, and it was it was exciting at the time. We were, but like a lot of these things, they kind of drift away, and you stop doing it or whatever. And and that's definitely where I've got to with it. But I I did I did yeah I, you know I plugged away at it for a while I suppose. Um, it was it was funny actually that the 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 Goodreads giveaway. Um, idea where where a writer you know, has a competition on goodreads um and offers up you know 20 free books or or whatever um if you if you win um a draw and so people have to have to kind of write their name down or whatever it is and you write your name and email address i think and then you get a list at random that they send to you um and i did that and it was it was great because you know all these things are exciting. You sort of get it's, it's staggering how many people in the world just take something for free. It's amazing, mm-hmm. you know. But and and that's one of the things behind the success stories of self-publishing. You get, you get a lot of people that say, um, you, you know, they, they, the, the whole free pricing strategy and the, the giveaways and things like that. And, and it does. It's incredible. Like thousands of people enter a draw to win a book from a person they've never heard of. It, 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 
I've never done that. It baffles me, but but it does. It does. You get a load of names. You know, people do register. But what I actually found from it was that you end up my list. I don't know if I was I was done on this or not. But <laughs> my li- I, I live in the UK. My list was there wasn't one winner from the UK on my list. So there was it was like people. I think I've got three in New Zealand or something, and. So I was posting these books out around the world and it cost me, you know, apart from the books themselves, I'm pretty sure I spent about a hundred quid on postage on 20 books. And I was, I was like, this isn't right. You know? And so, I, so I, that was the last one I did of there, but uh, honestly, I thought, I am so pleased you said that because I had exactly the same oh, experience. Good. It cost me a blooming fortune yeah. um, for the postage. It cost me more for the postage than it did for the books. And I thought, right, next time I do this, you can actually um, determine the territories. I went UK only second yeah. time because I'm, I'm going to go broke yeah, if I keep no, doing exactly. this. Well, well, there you go. Yeah, ditto. I feel so much better now you told me that because I thought, is it was it just me? Did I miss that? Yeah, no, I, uh, I definitely experienced that. So, so yeah, that was that was pretty much me done with Goodreads after that point. You're a brave man to go back in there again. <laughs> well, I, the other thing is, I, I find um, the reviews are lower. I find in Goodreads. My my wife uses Goodreads as a as a reader, and I had no experience. But I just went blundering in there as an author, trying to like you make make the most of it. And um, I said, oh, the the reviews always seem a bit harsher on Goodreads. But she seems to think that. They're always a step down, a point down from Amazon. I don't know whether you found that, yeah. or maybe you've been luckier. No, no, I think I, I, absolutely. I, I think you get, yeah. Then they may be more discerning. I think there's a bit more pretentiousness about about it. Um, I think maybe they, they they reserve five stars for Charles Dickens and people like that, yeah. and then so they, they mark you from four down. So uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think Amazon's reviews are are definitely they're polarized aren't they amazon reviews you either get one stars or five stars usually it's uh someone absolutely detests the thing or they love it and everyone in the middle doesn't bother writing one anyway how are you with reviews does it knock you back if you get a bad one yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah and, and, and like i say you don't get that many bad ones but but yeah especially ones where they're, they're lengthy and bad and you think, what? You know, whereas I've had somewhere they're one-liners. And you see, okay, fair enough. <laughs> but uh, Well, you've obviously got a better quality of one-star review than I have because <laughs> my run-star reviews are usually just, it's rubbish yeah. or something like that. Well, that's, yeah, you get, I've, I've definitely had those. And, but those are kind of laughable. I, I, I don't know, I can't take those ones seriously. But when someone's gone to the, the, the effort of writing paragraph <laughs> after paragraph of why it's rubbish, that's a... <laughs> That's when you start feeling. Well, I mean, that is hurtful. You get isn't the it? fetal position. Uh, <laughs> you know. Now, um, you you and I met in London at a networking event. It was at one of uh, Joanna Penn's events in London, and I find uh, writing events tremendously beneficial. Have you attended a lot, and how, how do you find them? I ha- yeah, I'm probably not a load, but but definitely between five and ten, and. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like them actually. I, you know, writing's a very solo sport, obviously, and um, so you don't really have much exposure to, to other people in the same same sort of thing as you. Um, so, so yeah, the, 
they're, they're sometimes interesting. Sometimes they end up going around through the same ground that you know already. You know, I've I've been to a few where you get a load of newbies kind of all together who haven't even started writing a book yet. And they're there just because they like the idea of being a writer, which and, and absolutely there's nothing wrong with that at all. And I'm not saying there is because we've all been in that position. But um, I think sometimes the workshops and things like that kind of focus a bit more on that than it does on someone who's written a few books already and is just, you know, doesn't want to be critiqued and doesn't want to be told how to do it, but just wants to kind of share war stories almost. Um, you know, so I, I don't know if there's that many forums like that. I don't know. Maybe I just haven't found them. So where are you with your writing now? Because I, I think you've had to go back to work, haven't you, at the moment? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, only... So I, I've, I've sort of fallen... I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to write a book called The Great Corporate Return. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's the secret the world's been waiting for. Um, no, it, I've, I've managed to not go fully back into it, but um, I'm... Uh, yeah, it be, and, and I think actually it's become... It's part of a wider decision around the writing, which, you know... Like, so obviously from you know things I've said already, I, I, I gave it a really good go in terms of being an authorpreneur um, and found that I didn't really enjoy some of that stuff um, and actually wanted to reconnect with just writing stories. And the story writing is the thing that I dreamt of years and years and years ago and it became a little bit less fun and a bit more serious as I started thinking about it as a livelihood as opposed to just writing stories. So it, I was kind of, li- you know, living this life, which actually wasn't really doing it for me anymore. And so I sort of reassessed and I thought, okay, if I can just do a bit, uh, you know, again, I'm fortunate because of what, I'm, what, what I can do, that I can, I can sort of go into places short term, earn some money, come back out and then write a book again. So that's what I'm, I'm doing now. Um, and the writing uh, is is much more distilled in terms of what what I'm writing now is solely fiction, um, and I'm writing in a series. And so the Dead Man's Curse, which you mentioned first of all, that's that's the first book in a murder mystery series. And I like murder mysteries, and and I like reading them. It's always been a kind of a guilty pleasure because it's not the coolest thing to say when you're in your twenties or whatever. So. I am, um, but I always quite enjoyed a good Agatha Christie or something. So I started writing that book with with a much more um, a much more defined sense of what I was heading towards. After doing years and years worth of writing, you know, I I I, I think I know what it takes to be a good writer and to be a successful writer. And the answer is, you've just got to write a load of books. And I think that is the answer. And people don't, you know, it's not something that's very exciting to say. Is you're gonna to have to work really hard for about twenty years. You know, it's not. It's not gonna sell books. That type of strapline. But I think actually underneath all of this, the writing of books is the key. And I'd really like to just get better at writing books. And you know, writing in the same in the same genre with a you know. A, a character and, and writing in that series, maybe writing another series, but very closely connected so that 
your author platform isn't diversified at all. You know, you you're just focusing on one set of people, and they're gonna like you whatever you write because you're gonna write what they want to read. And that I think is, you know, if you went to a traditional publisher, that's exactly the advice they'd be giving you. And I think it's taken me a while to get around to understanding the obvious, um, which is write in a genre which people want to read about and keep writing. And are you just as committed as you were to sticking to self-publishing? Yes, absolutely. So I, 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 the one thing that I'm, you know, I don't think I could go to a writing, a beginner's writer's workshop at the moment for fear that I would, I would somehow commit some physical violence to someone if they said that they were going to go down the traditional publishing route because I, uh, I, uh, to me, you know, I've, I've got a business degree and all of it. I don't see that there is one valid reason why a new writer would go for a traditional publishing route. The, The simple facts are that you get paid roughly 10%. If you're lucky, you you get maybe one book deal, two book deals. It's it's complete exclusivity. You, you have no control over the pricing, the marketing. You have no control over the cover. You have no control over anything apart from all of the work you've just put into inside the cover, and all of that. And and then and then the, the tie-ins at the end, where even if they drop you, then can't publish anything for another couple of years or whatever, you know. Just bonkers. Uh, in this in this day and age, we don't need to ask for permission for anything anymore. You know, every, every form of media entertainment, it, you can do yourself. And it, it's not a time for politely sitting down and raising your hand and asking if you can do something. It's a case of throwing stones at windows and, and doing it anyway. And so I think now is that time. And I just, it's always the same sort of people that continually safely go for traditional publishing and I just I just want to convince them every time that it's not worth it and uh, even if I can sow the slightest seed it, it, it will it would it gives me great pleasure <laughs> so this podcast is called self-publishing journeys and you're quite a long way I would say a few years into your self-publishing journey if you could talk to your younger self, the younger self who was still at work writing that first book, what advice would you give to yourself? I would definitely say, you know, look at actually why you're doing it and how you are going to do it. You know, look realistically at these things. Um, the, what I've just said there about the, you know, the, the basic facts of how to become successful as a writer, you know, I think that's it. You know, in its purest form, you can get sidetracked and distracted with everything else on out there. There's always something new. But I think writing, reading the books you love to write about, writing more of them and, and staying on that path, I think, is the answer. Um, if I was my younger self now and I had a window of opportunity to do that, that's exactly what I would have done. And that's what I would have done differently. And by now, I would have had maybe 10 or 15 books behind me and they would have all been in the same genre. And I would have, that would be fully established. Michael, thanks ever so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. That's great. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this week's Self-Publishing Journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, 
or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.